After the bomb, a heart beats through the radiation. But um, but um, but um, it's Frankenstein conquers the world. You know, Eric, what yes. was the first, is this the first movie to keep calling Frankenstein's monster Frankenstein? <laughs> it might be, right? <laughs> is, is this the one responsible for everyone getting it wrong? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> but uh, it just purposefully gets it wrong the entire time. And the that's fine. Time. Yeah, it's, it's fine. fine. It's fine, you know, if you just never read those books at all. That's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast. This is the bargain basement of monster podcasting airwaves. This week, as we try to stay alive and we go back to our roots, Alex, we're discussing Toho's Frankenstein Conquers the World. Yeah. I hesitated because, you know, it could be Frankenstein versus Baragon, depending on who you asked. It could be. And, you know, the, the most confusing thing about this movie is his growing clothes. That is true. And apparently, by the end of the film, he has become quite the adept uh, seamstress. Or seems... Mm. Oh. Now, there's a, there's something I've never... You, you're the English major. I am, too. Mm. Um, but, <laughs> but you tell me, is, is a male... See, is it a seamster or is it a seamstress? Is it just stress all the time? It's a seamer. A seamer? Seaman. <laughs> so this male seaman, he is really great at putting this little getup together, this caveman outfit. Oh, yeah. And I'm very impressed. Like You know how many pelts that probably took? Oh, He's become quite... A lot of warthogs. Yeah. He's yeah. come quite adept at peeling these things. He probably peels them like a banana at this point. Uh, well let's go ahead and jump into it because i think we'll have a good discussion this is kind of going back to our roots a little bit it's been a while since we've watched one of these alex it has i think we said every time we watch one of these but i also agree yeah it felt good to be back yeah it did it did uh so let's jump into it after a long break from Ishiro Honda, Subaraya, and Toho, we're officially back with a Nick Adams-infused giant monster classic. Before our featured film, Toho had thrown around several Frankenstein-inspired flick ideas. Versus Human Vapor, versus Kong, versus Godzilla even. But does what we get, Frankenstein versus Baragon, or as we call it here in the US, Frankenstein Conquers the World, live up to these grand ideas? And was the Frankenstein idea even worth it? Or should the monster have scrapped the name? Mm, that's a good question. Now, Eric, did we mention that this was Patreon month? Mm, we didn't. Yeah, we, did. we should before, say that right before off Before I bat. answer your question, yeah. We're having, November is going to be our, our Patreon month. Our executive producers are picking this movie, and this is Faye's pick for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason, she likes this movie. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> and so... And so one of our executive producers is going to pick another movie, and then we're going to have our patrons vote on one. And mm-hmm. I don't know if we have all of our plans figured out for this month yet. But. Well, we figure since we're going to do Frankenstein Conquers the World, Kevin Alexander is also a fan of War of the Gargantuas. So we're going to do Frankenstein Conquers the World, War of the Gargantuans next week. And then Michael's pick is still up in the air. And then our final film, 
will be a patron vote film where at any level our patrons will vote on the final film of the month. Yeah. Before our holiday specials, Alex. Oh. <laughs> I can't believe we're already almost here. I know. Craziness. Crazy. Yeah, I can't wait to watch Jingle All the Way 2 with you. Oh, I love it. Okay. I love it. I, I'm already <laughs> uh, looking forward to... Yeah, I can't even forget remember the kaiju's name in that anymore. Uh, Booster. Booster. And I'm ashamed <laughs> of you. <laughs> I can't wait for Booster's Revenge. Oh, uh, yeah. Maybe <laughs> if that movie did have that, I could maybe try to persuade you because I think it has Larry the Cable Guy in it. It looks awful. Yeah. Um, but so. uh, what was your question again, Eric? We've gotten way off track. <laughs> <laughs> was the Frankenstein idea even worth it or should the monster have scrapped the name? Uh, I mean, the Frankenstein thing didn't matter. Um, there, there. This is more like a radioactive caveman against the world, or some other nonsense. You know, I do like it, some aspects of this movie, but the the, the Frankenstein thing is it's just not necessary. That being said, though, I do think the film does have some interesting stuff going on. A lot of it kind of taps into some of the original Frankenstein stuff. Maybe a little bit of King Kong. Uh, we see elements of Godzilla in here too, but overall. While the film, uh, it does feel like it's maybe a little stitched together. Um, I think this is a solid offering by Toho, but I don't think it's really a necessary one. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, so back when we were at our peak of our Godzilla series, and I was in my kaiju addiction phase, Alex, (laughs) I watched a series of films that I didn't (laughs) know if we would ever watch, but that I definitely wanted to see. And this was one of them. And I'm actually pretty big fan of this film actually i I don't think it reaches the heights of 54 thematically or contains that same level of artistry or artistic set design that we saw in mothra it tries to reach those heights but it doesn't get there but why not right why why not reach for it and fall just a bit short i think frankenstein is a fitting monster and while he doesn't share much in common with the frankenstein monster that we know the idea of this living indestructible maybe human creature is one that resonates and one that lasts. And it asks very interesting ethical questions, but beyond the monster, I think the humans in this film steal the show. What'd you make of the characters? And did you like the performances in this one? Uh, yeah, I, I did. So here's, so I I think the performances overall Uh and the characters are really great. They feel well-defined, and as usual, Nick Adams steals the show. Um, his character, once again, has surprising depth that I don't think we either one of us probably expected when we first mm-hmm. started watching it. Um, and then the willingness for Dr. Yuzu to push the limits of science while still being a main character was pretty surprising. Yeah. Um, I really like that gray area for this character. Uh, and you know, he was totally willing to cut off someone's arm, even if he didn't know for sure if it would grow back. <laughs> Pretty interesting. Uh, uh-huh. that being said though, there's some real character work that's missed here. Hmm. Uh, mostly it's centered around Dr. Uh, Suiko Tag- Tagami. Mm-hmm. And while her character is well established and very likable, it's actually the relationships around her that falter. Um, her relationship with James Bowen is great, which is Nick Adams. Um, we get a few sequences at the beginning showing how close they are. They spend yeah. a lot of time together. There, there's um, those small moments where they joke about American versus Japanese humor, right? Yes, <laughs> they're so good. Those moments are great. 
But halfway through the film, that relationship is abandoned. Mm. And now they just kind of show up together. There's just no real chemistry when they talk or anything like that. No, even if their relationship. Now, did you feel like there is a uh, a friendship there, or something more than a friendship? Real I quick? feel like there might be something more than okay. there. I mean, I don't know about you, Alex, but I don't show up at my kimono just anywhere. I agree. I, I don't either. I don't either. But <laughs> well. even, even if it is a friendship, though, I do feel like it's not executed on enough. Right. Um, between them. And I would also have liked the relationship between Frankenstein and Dr. Swaco uh, to be, to have had some more growth, but mm. because I feel like the poignance of that relationship is lost by the end of the film. Honestly, the film feels like it wants Frankenstein to just be King Kong, but mm. toes the line every time it almost becomes it. Which is a good and bad thing, right? You don't want to imitate King Kong too much by having uh, the monster be like in love with or infatuated or anything like that with mm. Dr. Suiko. But a more caring relationship between the two uh, really would have added some poignancy towards the end of the film. Because when he does die at the end, quote unquote, there is no poignancy. Um, but uh, Yeah, I think you're hitting on something here. I think you're hitting on, on a key point. Um, but, oh yeah. What, what do yeah, you no, think I, about these characters? Yeah, no, I do. I do. I think you're hitting on a key point, and I think it's the fact that once Frankenstein leaves the city, right, and goes to the Japanese Alps there, and he's living by himself, and there's that disconnect between Frankenstein and our three main leads. Mm-hmm. There, there is a lack of emotion after that point. Right, there's no connection to the monster, um, and so that's where things start to unravel. Now, there's a different sort of film that I still think is enjoyable in that last half, mm-hmm. but it's the first half and the ideas that the first half establishes that makes the second half interesting still to me, even if it lacks that emotional connection. But just going back to the characters for a second, what what I find so fascinating about these characters is just how they wrestle with the ethics of the situation, especially the two men. Now, Dr. Tagami uh, is a bit more consistent in her concern for Frankenstein, but Dr. Bowen and Dr. Kawaji really wrestle with how they should handle this quote-unquote monster. You know, based on Honda's previous work and based on the opening 10 minutes of this film, which by the way, are just like a mini film in itself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the ethical questions are tied to the victims of radiation after the atomic bombings. To what extent should these victims be studied? Is the pursuit of scientific knowledge, which could benefit humanity in the future, worth the sacrifice and dehumanization of those victims? Can we really find renewal in an atrocity so horrifying? These are the questions that are being wrestled with and the ones that we see Bowen and Kawaji wrestle with until the very end, where Kawaji decides he's actually with public opinion and believes that killing Frankenstein is the best choice. And then, of course, is saved by Frankenstein. And then at the end, when Frankenstein perishes, it's Dr. Bowen who has been uh, defending and saying we have to save uh, Frankenstein, the entire movie, who denounces Frankenstein's humanity, saying maybe it would be better off if the monster remained dead. <laughs> these small moments and these questions make me appreciate what Honda is trying to do in this one. 
But I do see your point, and I, I think you're onto something. And I, I do agree with you about the ending. Did you did you see any of these thematics going on though here? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like you mentioned. We we have to at least appreciate that it tried to ask these questions. Whether it succeeded or not is is going to depend on the person viewing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do appreciate that it tried, and. It did give a really good effort at the beginning, but I I don't think any of the questions are really handled well throughout the film. Uh, You know, no possible solutions, even if they don't work, really are offered in the film. Um, Yeah, we get these questions, but that's about it. I don't know, again, if the ending is poignant enough even for me to think on these things any longer than after the final title sequence. Uh, or title screen. Uh, so it's not like it's not like Rodan, Godzilla, or even King Kong, where I'm thinking about what happened to that character, what led to it, all these things, and some of the bigger questions. Because that again, it's kind of going back to that poignancy at the end. Um, that really does have a pretty big effect on me in terms hmm. of how I feel about all these questions. Now, even if it does want to be, you know, those three films that I just mentioned. That being said, I was glad to finally be introduced to the first appearance of Baragon, uh, even if it was less intimidating than I ever imagined, <laughs> and just kind of an adorable kaiju. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, this For is sure. a dog with a glowing horn. Yeah. Um, and the fights between them are pretty cool, too, but that last fight is overlong mm-hmm. and the fight doesn't match kind of, it doesn't even match the character's dialogue, which is strange. You know, they're talking about how Frankenstein doesn't have a chance because Baragon is able to get underground so quickly, but we just cut cut from him whooping Baragon to that, to that dialogue, to him whooping him some more. It never felt like Baragon ever stood a chance. As far mm-hmm. as I could tell, I never felt like Frankenstein was on the ropes. Yeah, but which is what you're saying. There's a disconnect between what the characters were saying that yes. Francis said didn't have a chance. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and but what I did like is how like those sequences of them tracking Frankenstein. Like, oh, he, he's in this area because of this. His, his need to get protein. Blah blah blah. I actually enjoyed that because it actually built mm. that character up a bit. I just wish more of the human element had reared its head a bit more uh, for me to really connect with that character. Um, but those elements of him and him boar hunting was actually pretty interesting and probably my yeah. favorite aspect of that creature. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, I disagree with you about the the poignancy of these questions being asked. I don't know if we have to have a clear answer in order to find them compelling. I agree <laughs> that they could be more compelling and linger with us further if we had a more powerful ending. But I do think we get a few moments there at the end that make us feel the sympathy for Frankenstein. The fact that he does save Dr. Kawaji there and Kawaji kind of changes his attitude towards the monster just complicates things just that little bit further. Uh, And so it's really in the complications. Honda is not interested in giving us a clear cut answer here. That seems obvious. Just how much those questions will linger with the audience. That's that's the issue there right mm. um so i understand your point but i i do think there there is some compelling things being asked and i don't think we necessarily need that answer to that question but to talk about the monster for a moment 
I, I think I've mentioned this before on the show, but there's just something so resonant about a human-like monster. We feel that kinship, and that kinship makes the horrors more terrifying. But on a technical level, some of my favorite pieces here involved that monster. You have the King Kong scene where he peeps in Dr. Tagami's window, <laughs> right? Um, which is pretty much straight King Kong. Yeah. But I really love the scene that I just mentioned where he saves Kawaji and he jumps in front of the convertible at the end. Technically, that shot is almost perfect in capturing Frankenstein Frankenstein's size. The entire sequence... Uh, of the monster living in the Japanese Alps by himself is just also fascinating and well shot. I agree about the the fighting. It, it feels like to me, it felt like an Ultraman choreographed fight with Frankenstein <laughs> being an Ultraman type of character, right? Because he's I can see that. Yeah, I mean, he's just a human. Lots of rolling, you know? lots of jumping around. Yep, lots of rolling, <laughs> lots of jumping around, lots of beating on the back. Yeah. But he's just he doesn't have the size that Baragon has. And so you run into those issues where, you know, Ultraman has his sleek suit um, here. Frankenstein has no real suit except for. Hey, and his... I will say this about Frankenstein. Yeah. While he doesn't really hit the gym much, he doesn't seem to skip leg day. No, it's not. It <laughs> does not. But yeah, I, I do agree with you. Like my one criticism of the film, my main criticism of the film is the final moment, um, which I think tries to reach the heights of Rodan, right? With this tragic ending. It feels like it wants to be Rodan in the ending. Like, yeah, but it just, you know, it's got the burning. It's got the two thing, the two creatures going down at the same time. Was it Varan too, that had a similar ending, Mm -hmm. Alex, that we said didn't reach those heights either, but I don't even know if this reaches the Varan level uh, of tragedy or profundity, right? It's yeah. all over rather quick. And I believe that takes away from what could have been a more powerful moment. Well, and it didn't feel like he had to die there. It felt like he could yeah. have just literally taken two steps and been fine. Yeah. Now, apparently there's another ending to this film, Alex, that I haven't seen. Involving I saw that there's another ending. Some sort. <laughs> oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah. So maybe I'll have to go back and look at that because... Maybe that would solve some of my issues with the film. I don't know. I need to go in and check it out. I'm sure uh, one of our listeners can email me or email us or message us on Twitter and tell us if it's worth checking out the the alternate ending to this film. Yeah, for sure. I want to know if he like saves the world and he just dives into the ocean and an octopus kills him in there. <laughs> All I know <laughs> is it involves an octopus, so anything can happen from there, Alex. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it can. It can. I, I do want to mention that mm-hmm. I. This is kind of an odd thing, I guess. But you mentioned that his human looks um, give us that connection to him because mm-hmm. it's, you know he's immediately somewhat relatable. Yeah. And I agree, but I do find that the bigger he gets, the less I relate to him. Yeah. Once he breaks out of that prison <laughs> or whatever he was at at the end. Um, you know, I think all those sequences are really great. I think you're right. The city scene is the last time for me, other than when he's boar hunting. Then mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, kind of, I'm kind of enjoying his presence. I'm kind of connecting with him a little bit. I remember the times that I boar hunted with trees. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, and then, and then, but then it's after that I kind of lose him. Yeah, but at the same time, though, I would say that that's kind of what the film is trying to get you to do, right? Is 
while you are losing your connection to Frankenstein, so are the characters. They're losing their connection to Frankenstein as well. And as, as time goes by and there's more disconnect there, you lose your connection to the victim in a sense. Uh, I don't know. I don't, it's interesting. I don't know. I don't know if I buy that, but I'm glad it works for you. <laughs> I, know, I, think, I think it's foul. I mean, I think, I mean, our characters definitely lose that sort of connection with him. Yeah. Um, that, that whole thing's weird to me as well. They're like, Oh, let's save him. Then the one guy's like, oh, I'm going to kill him. And they're like, eh, okay, just do it quick. Nah, but and I then James, and then James I actually Owens don't. Like, I actually don't have a problem with that. I actually think that is a pretty humanizing thing as well. Because I mean, I don't think them being like, "Yeah, killing him is great." I just think they realize in that moment, like um, Doctor uh, Kawaji, who decides I am going to kill him. They they realize in that moment that you know he he has a reason for what he's saying. Like this isn't a spur of the moment decision. He's been going back and forth all film. We've seen that happen. Like this isn't like the first out of nowhere surprise. No, he's I don't think he's out. Of, I don't think he's out of character. I think they are. Mm. I don't think I don't think they're out of character because I think they know who he is as a character, and so their reaction to him is. I mean, I understand what you're saying. At least kill him like swiftly. They're saying what he's doing would be more cruel, right? Um, I don't think they agree with his decision, but I also think they're like, we can't stop what he's about to do. Like, what are we, what else are we going to do in this moment? And, and, you know, you said this earlier kind of, but I'm surprised because the James Bowen turn at the end where he calls Frankenstein a monster. I think it's so weird, especially after he just saved those people. It's like, so now, now that he saved someone that you directly know, yeah, you're calling him a monster now. That's when you decided to switch teams. Yeah, but I think that's, I think, again, I think that's just the interesting aspect. I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer right there in that moment. In that moment, (laughs) that's what he feels. And I I like that. I like that it complicates it. Um, Oh, it complicates it all right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. I get it. I get it. Hey, on MVM Plus today, Alex, we're going to talk about the latest movies that you've seen. I've seen a lot lately. Yeah. I know you have. So we're going to talk about the latest movies. Yep. Oh, Dune. Yeah. All right. I I want to hear about it. Uh, (laughs) We'll talk about Dune. We'll talk about... uh, I'll I'll talk about Game of Thrones, Alex. Oh, have you made Uh, it much further? show that I've been watching a show that I don't think anybody's really talked about or heard of yet called squid game that Neely and I have. Yeah. I need to get to it at some point. I don't think anybody's really heard of it. So yeah, Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, Yeah. That's over at patreon.com forward slash MVM pod. We might even have some Frankenstein conquers the world wrap up conversation because it sounds like we disagree in a couple areas here, Alex. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, let's get yeah. into our awards then, shall we? Uh, before we do our disagreement over on MVM Plus. Coolest character award, Alex, who'd you have? Uh, yeah, I had to give it to Nick Adams as James Bowen. I think he does a really great job. He is, he's got a lot of depth to him. Um, you know, again, even if I don't like the la- his last line, I still think his character is really 
endearing. I buy into him most of the time. And I just, his relationship with um, Dr. Yuzo, or no, sorry, Dr. Sueko Tagami, I just, I find the whole thing charming, which is why I was so disappointed to see the two of them, like, kind of become stilted by the end. Yeah. No, I I definitely get that. Um, I wish we had more of their relationship as well. We get away from those three characters in the second half, which... I'm not sure I like, but I understand why we do it. Well, it's really because they're just so well done. You know, hmm. one of the problems we've had with Toho uh, movies, some of the Godzilla movies, like some of the weaker ones, were a lack of character, right? Like sometimes we just don't get memorable characters. We kind of get a samey protagonist. Yeah. But this one delivers us something pretty special at the beginning. Hmm. And for it to be lost is kind of a shame. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. So for me, I'll go with the person that doesn't really waver and that has a lot of uh, guts throughout, and that is Dr. Sueko Togami, um, Dr. Bowen's counterpart there. Mm. I, I think that she is compelling. I agree that we get away from her um, in the second half, especially. Well, but I think and it's really her relationship with him. Cause she's still there. She still has that, that firm stance. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know that her playing off everybody else is really what made her so special. I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, th- I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, what about your most memorable line award, Alex? This was the wonderful moment that I had to watch probably 10 times. I even had to get CeCe's attention to watch it. Um, this is the awesome moment during the final battle where Dr. Yuzo Kawaji is just walking. He walks off screen, screams, and has an incredibly hilarious moment rolling, falling down a hill. And it is, I laughed so hard multiple times. There was there was a couple moments in this finale where I was dying laughing, and none of it was intentional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm with you there. Uh, my most memorable line comes from pretty close to the beginning after the of the film, after the first ten minutes, uh, and it actually comes from Doctor Bowen, uh, Nick Adams. He says, "We must work to turn tragedy into eternal peace and happiness in the future." And I think that's the question of the film is, yes, but to what cost, right? Right. Um, To what extent should we do that? So I thought that was a pretty memorable line. I actually remember that from the first time that I watched this film. So it definitely stuck with me. So most memorable line goes to that one. That is a good one. And there's actually a few good lines. And I want to go back to the the, uh, James Bowen uh, Tagami relationship where, where that we mentioned it earlier that joke the no first you scoop up the you f- yeah. scoop the fish up because he t- tells her to tell him from the beginning and yeah. that is just a great character moment for both yeah. of them great dad joke <laughs> it is it really is and it's like perfect I'm like yes this man is speaking my language um, <laughs> and uh, and then I, there's also another one that I was like. I had to show CC as well. They're trying to explain what Frankenstein might be. And one of the person's explanation was a half cast abandoned by a prostitute. 
I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what that? You just jumped on that one? Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, what about your, uh, what about your can't believe that acting award? Uh, so mine goes to Tadao Takashima as Dr. Yuzo Kawaji. I've already mentioned the fact that this character, I think this is the most complicated character in the movie. Yeah, I agree. Nick Adams as James Bowen is great. But I think Kawaji and his back and forth where he can't make up his mind is incredibly interesting. Like he, mm-hmm. he has pushed multiple ways. And there's also just small things in his performance that I appreciate about him that humanizes his character and just shows like he's he's caring and, and taking in the world around him. There's that scene where Mr. Kawhi shows up. It's towards the end of the film. Um, Kawaji and and Bowen were they were studying and uh, Mr. Kawhi comes in and, and Bowen and, and Kawaji both have their sleeves rolled up. Kawhi comes in, who's their elder and just more of a, you know, the, worthy of their respect in Kawaji's eyes. And okay. Kawaji, this is, I think this is probably cultural as well, because um, you see the difference between Kawaji and Bowen in this moment. Kawaji takes his rolled up sleeves and rolls them back down um, when Mr. Kawhi comes in the scene. And I think it's just sure. a sign of respect for Kawhi, uh, which is really, it's a small moment, but Bowen doesn't do that. Right, Bowen doesn't do that. Uh, I would imagine there's a cultural element there, um, just as a sure. sign of of respect for this this elder. Um, <laughs> but it just shows that Kawaji is taking this world around him seriously and is wrestling with all these different perspectives that are coming his way. Yeah, yeah, I think he does a great job, and I didn't notice that the the cuff rolling scene. So that's pretty cool. Well, it was, it's not even their scene, right? It's just a small little detail that he does in his performance. Who even knows if he was directed to do that, right? <laughs> right. Um, and who even knows if it was purposeful or even thought about? But uh, I thought it really worked for the character. I like it. I like it. Um, and mine had to be, you know what? It's the same actor, but it's uh-huh. a different scene. And it's the scene where he rolls down a hill on his back. <laughs> The acting is phenomenal. The ah is phenomenal. And he gets the award. He gets both of these awards for just giving me the biggest laugh. Mm. And actually, Eric, I thought I saw you were giving him the award. Mm-hmm. I was really hoping it was for this scene. It's not. Sorry. <laughs> and I'm also I'm not while I'm not surprised it's not, I'm also disappointed. I it didn't stand out to me as particularly humorous for whatever reason. <laughs> Just thinking about it. Oh, it's so good. Okay. Um, so what about what about your standout effect award? My standout effect actually did make me laugh, and it's uh, Frankenstein picks up this tree at one point, right, and he just chucks it. And then it just lands directly in this random house in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, he tries to hit the bird with it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it completely misses and it just lands in the house. <laughs> I really I really like that scene because it yeah. kind of showed his tendency to accidentally demolish and possibly call, call good lord, cause harm. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
And so it did a lot of things. And, and you're right, it was humorous, too. Oh, this is funny. <laughs> I wish they had maybe leaned into his accidental harm that he could cause a bit more. Yeah. That could have been really cool. Um, they actually and, pushed and, against and, that, right? Because... I know. And, it, and the thing is, accidental harm is all Frankenstein's monster's jam, right? That's his whole thing. Yeah, but this isn't Frankenstein's monsters. This is Toho's Frankenstein monster. I know, but I'm saying like that would have for me that would have made way more sense. Even, not even just for the character, but just for maybe some of the stuff that happens later. Hmm. Potentially, yeah, I can see that. Oh, what he just accidentally killed ten people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I get. I think we've seen that explored before, and so I think like having Baragon, who's kind of causing that be an interesting sort of contrast to Frankenstein still is pretty interesting, but yeah, I, I see that that could have been a good idea for sure. Yeah. Well, who knows? What about your my favorite, effect? Yeah. Mine had to be the boar. Yeah. There was actually a moment it, and it wasn't like that. I looked at it. I was like, Oh, that looks real. But I just thought, Oh, that looks good. Uh-huh. And I, I just liked it. Um, when it's after he accidentally captures the tank with his boar trap, uh-huh. And we see all the people standing there, and we see the boar charging, and he runs through the through the military. I oh, like yeah. that looked pretty good. Like, it really yeah, did. it didn't look real, but it looked it looked great. Like, I I really liked it. Yeah, it was it. cool. Yeah, it was kind of cool. Yeah, uh, there was also the horse scene. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that was cool. Uh, <laughs> I I really need a uh, notice that no ha- animals were harmed in the making of this film, Alex, but... Yeah, I mean, that definitely looks like a real horse getting harmed there. That's for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about your Oh, That's a Good Shot award? Uh, might have to be the finale. Like, while it wasn't poignant, it was an awesome shot of him standing mm-hmm. over, like, the dead body of Baragon and having his fists in the air, like, in a victory pose with fire behind him. Uh, it's pretty epic looking. It's a really cool visual. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I, I think it is pretty cool. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. Um, I didn't love it. I, I, I find myself. I found myself kind of being critical of it, but it might just be because I didn't oh. love the way it ended so quickly. But again, yeah. I, oh, I'm very critical of everything around it, including yeah. what's happening in that moment. But the shot itself. Visually, it's a cool still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I know. I, 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 I see that for sure. Um, for me, it's a scene uh, where they go into the demolished city that Baragon has leveled, and there's like this tunnel, right, where that goes back. It goes. They talked about how it goes back a mile, and there's those two boys that kind of are exploring the city, looking for their mom and dad. There's this really interesting shot. Um, that they use they use the camera angle from this position twice, once with the boys and once with the military just a minute later, where it's zoomed out in this tunnel, and just the way that the lighting comes in, the way that there's there's a mound, um, it's it's a throwaway shot I think from probably most people, but <laughs> it actually did a good job at capturing the vastness of the space that Frankenstein was inhabiting, um, yes. and hiding in. But the, it only only would be possible with this sort of zoomed out shot that we get. The lighting is also really interesting right there because we see this lighting coming in from the left and then the right is very, very dark, uh, leading to this ominous sense um, of Frankenstein once again hiding in the darkness um, as the boys go in and then the military follows. 
moments. I after. love I love the shadow. Yeah. That he casts around the corner. Oh yeah. Very yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. I I actually like that entire scene. I there's a couple moments that I'm like, oh, that's actually kind of terrifying, really. Um Yeah, there's a no, moment. I think it's I think the it's boat great. scene. Uh we didn't talk about where he comes out of the water. Yeah. <laughs> like that that's kind of a scary scene when you consider it's like so human like, right? It's terrifying yeah. in one sense if it's Godzilla. It's terrifying in a different sense when you have this human like creature. Yeah, my question was what was he doing just like <laughs> underwater? I think he was swimming. I think he was swimming. He's just, he's just going for a swim. Well, I, I think he was so. bathing. I think he was bathing. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's do our rating and our ranking then, Alex. Uh, you go ahead and start this one then. Okay. All right, so this one's kind of middle of the road for me. Um, I love that it asks all these big questions, and it really does feel pretty profound in the beginning because, like, like you've kind of harped on, Eric, it does ask a lot of interesting questions. And while I don't think it needs to give us answers, I do think it needs to offer us any sort of solution, not necessarily an answer uh, of something being right or wrong, but I just don't think that there's even a solution offer. It's just like, Oh, it's something like this. Let's never talk about it again. And so like a lot of things in this movie, like that gets ditched. I also think relationships get ditched by on the back end of the movie. I think the humanizing of Frankenstein gets ditched in the back half of this film. So, while I like the beginning, I just don't think it quite delivers. And I like that Frankenstein is sympathetic, but it just, again, because it's left behind, it just ne- never reaches the height of Rodan, the ending of Rodan, Godzilla, King Kong, etc. I do appreciate that it tried. It just missed it. And I don't really feel much when he dies. And I think that's really the biggest difference between this and those other three movies that I mentioned. It's just the lack of impact. But I do like the effects a lot. I do like a lot of the scenes where he, he, the first half of the film, I really like it just about everything. And I actually think the pacing is really good in the movie. I'm never bored. Um, I'm just sometimes wondering why we might be doing something. Why are we following this hand around? It just didn't seem to matter in the end. Um but the miniature work is great. We got to see little animals running around, which we never get to see. Uh, we get to see Baragon eat a chicken and spit feathers out. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a lot of high notes here as well. Um, but for me, this starts out strong and it ends middling. I'm sorry, Faye. I'm sorry, Michael. This is a three out of five for me. Mm-hmm. All right, Alex. Vegasan conquers the world, I would say is right up there with some of the best Toho has to offer. I think it's just below Honda's top tier films. Uh, But you can place it in that conversation and be comfortable with that choice because of its technical and thematic choices. I'm with you. I think the pacing of this film moves right along. I'm never bored in this one because it does blend together what seems like two sorts of films, right? You have your first half and the second half. The question is, can they be blended together? I think they do blend together pretty well with some problems, as we've talked about. But I think it works. I think it works. The performances are all top-notch, even if we get away from them in the second half. We get those familiar Toho faces. And the monster battle, 
while not the most dynamic, it works for what the film needs it to do. I also think the way that they handle the monster, the way that they handle the ethical questions brought up in the film are all effective. I don't think you need that answer um, in order to be effective. Though I do think I'm with you that the ending of the film could have elevated it a step further. So for me, this gets a 3.5 out of 5. Oh, okay. So we're only half a point different? Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. But your rating scale is usually, again, higher than mine, Alex. You're right. You're right. I just, while I really enjoyed a lot of aspects of it, it's really, I think for me, it really does come down to the character stuff that gives it the biggest sting for me. Well, then uh, I am going to be very interested in what you think of our film next week, Alex, which I have seen yeah. before, again, well, which is War of the Gargantuans. Oh, I didn't know you had seen War of the yep. Gargantuans. Yeah, I, I watched I both think of I, these. I did a while back, because I think I got on you. I was like, quit watching movies that we're going to watch. <laughs> did you watch it? No, I've never seen I've never seen this movie or War of the Gargantuans. Yeah, I think you did get on to me for watching that one. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did. And... You know, I do, again, I know I've been super critical of Conquerors of the World throughout this entire episode, and I feel like it's just because I was pushing back on things you were saying, but there is a lot to like here. It's just, you know. Well, see, I think I was was being a little bit defensive of the film, but I was just pushing back on things that you were saying. (laughs) As it goes. Um, But that's okay. I, I get why people love this film. Because they could connect on a ways with some of the stuff that, and like the final fight more than I did. Um, I'm just going to say it one last time. It's because they did such a wonderful job with the characters in the first half and not a good job in the second half that it, the film is hurt. That's so how you're trying to praise the film, Alex. You're trying it to is. praise the film and then, and then let people down by saying, but it failed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was really, really great. Until it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... So, don't hate me. Let me tell you, it was potentially great, but it just wasn't great. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Actually, it was just bad, but it was almost good. (laughs) I do intend to rewatch it again sometime, but uh, I don't know. Because I feel like I've missed something now. But... I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you have. I liked it more the second time I watched it than the first. Yeah, that that's usually my experience with most movies. Yeah. Yep. That's that's how it goes. So War of the Gargantuans is next? Yep. Do you have a rhyme? No. Um War of the Gargantuans. Are we gonna be infatuans or <laughs> that's as far as it goes. That's fine. I can't rhyme anything with gargantuan, so I'll just say the gar- when the gargantuans go to war, mm, will it soar be. or make us snore? I can't wait to see what we have in store. Either and way, then who gets to settle be, the score? Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh boy! All yeah. right, we need to we need to stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at MVM underscore pod. You can email us mvmpod at gmail.com or leave us feedback at mvmpod.com. We do like hearing from you, so if you agree or disagree with one of our takes, please let us know. 
You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Pod and receive weekly bonus off-the-cuff episodes. And if you feel so led, leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews really help. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Carnett. Executive producers are Faye Basier and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, comma, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next week, try, try to, to stay. stay.